This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, Netflix's hit series, Umbrella Academy, is back for season three. It stars Canadian actor Ken Hall. He's our buddy. He's back on the Shift, and he tells us about the latest season and going back on the set for the first time since the pandemic, what that was like, because it started in the pandemic. Now they've finished, and the show is done. Ten seasons to save the world, Umbrella Academy Season 3. Handy Eddie Barrar is back with the next chapter in the Smart Garden Saga. He tells us more about his garden and how you can make yours tech-savvy too, plus the future of e-scooters in Canada if you want to cruise about. And are you okay with bad campaign ads and spreading ashes like dead people? In fact, we had a lot of death on Are You Okay? Uh, yeah. It is what it is. Thanks for listening to the Shift Daily Podcast. Appreciate you being here. Very excited. Very excited to say, look, Herb's here. <laughs> Not really. Uh, hey, Umbrella Academy Season 3, it's done. It's uh, hitting the TVs. Uh, Ken Hall is here. He is the actor that plays Herb. Uh, now the boss guy, Ken. You're the boss, man. <laughs> Starting season three, Herb has taken over the commission. Now, I don't want to give away too much because I don't want to spoil for anybody who's just new to Umbrella Academy, the amazing TV show. How are you doing, man? Mm-hmm. I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Shane. Uh, it's great to be here. Uh, great to chat about things in the, in the new season. It's exciting. Uh, mixed emotions, I bet. Hey, after a couple of years of not a lot of work for an improv and actor comedian like you. <laughs> Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, my cat got a lot of uh, a lot of special treatment in private shows, uh, but unfortunately, the general public could not because theaters were closed. Yeah. And uh, so, it's really lovely to be back and uh, firing on all the cylinders. And I found that uh, as much as the performers are really happy to be back, I've noticed that the audiences are so. Uh, so up for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, whereas before pre-pandemic, maybe there might have been like, some crossed arms, a little bit of cynicism, a little bit like, okay, let's uh, let's see you make us laugh kind mm-hmm. of thing. <laughs> I just feel like now, like we've gotten through it. Life is good. Let's just party. And uh, so it's been great, and um, and very lucky to uh, to be able to film. Uh, like the film industry in Toronto, even when things were locked down we were still able to work and create content because there was so much content being consumed. Right. Uh, I, I don't know about you, Shane, but like I, I did a deep dive on Survivor. I've now watched all 42 seasons uh, of Survivor. Oh, my Survivor goodness. Fan. Dude, I watched Downton <laughs> Abbey twice, front to back. <laughs> well, it is very good. It is. Uh, <laughs> that is a very good show, too. Like, <laughs> there, it's like comfort food, though, right? It is. Like, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I loved it, and I did so much... Um... You know, I did so much of that, and I've never really been a TV mm. watcher. I would sort of find a series and then watch it and then just walk away, right? Like, I was good with that until <laughs> I found the next series. So right. I, uh, it is kind of exciting. You guys, did you start uh, recording this, um, doing all your work? Or is this still locked down when you started with Umbrella Academy? Did you finish after it opened up a bit? How did that work? No, we, um, yeah, it, we were already under a lockdown when things were starting up. So it just complicated things. Like, how is this going to work? 
And uh, thankfully, I, you know, I got to say, like the producers at Netflix, they did a really great job because they have to. They had to be really on top of it. And so there was just a ton of testing for the longest time, too. I felt like more of like that was my job, <laughs> like to just go and get tested like every few days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm, my other job is actually acting. But like it felt like that was uh, the bulk of what I did. Um, <clears throat> but we had to do that because we had to keep everyone safe and. And this was even before like vaccines as well. So it was, uh, you know, in, in almost like it's embryonic state, like it was yeah. just happening, you know, um, but um, so glad and so happy to be able to work and to create content and, and for a show in particular that people just really loved. And um, so there was a lot of gratitude uh, that I had and, and, and it provided me an opportunity like for connection as well. Uh, which I know, I know for a lot of people, like that was a really hard thing. Like people in my community of, you know, improvisers and sketch medians and, and standups and such where you, you don't have stages anymore. And so it's like, we got, you know, you have a lot of time uh, to sit with their thoughts and feelings and, uh, and maybe do some course corrections um, perhaps, but again, it was a real, yeah, it was just a a real, uh, you know, uh, the, again, this sort of the silver lining was that we're still able to work. Uh, I don't know if it was actually deemed, but like film, film and TV to be like, you know, like a necessary service, like, like fire department or something. Wow. Um, yeah. Happy to work. And, and, uh, and of course like face shields and testing and such, but I think fans are going to really love what we did. And, and it was under some, some tough circumstances. It's, it's challenging anytime uh, to put a whole show together. Uh, but to do that with, you know, all the health precautions and, and trying to get very creative and how do you keep cast and crew safe? Well, isn't it interesting that you go from all of that? Cause as soon as one person gets sick, everything is a full stop. And then now here you are with the release of umbrella Academy season three and mm-hmm. everything is really starting to open up again. So all of the hard work and all of the inconvenience of it comes with the freedom for you to go to the Hollywood release thing. Yeah, like, you yeah, wouldn't have been able we- to do that before. No, it would have been on Zoom. And, you know, I can get pretty creative with backgrounds and filters uh, and such, but nothing beats the real, like, in-person experience uh, of that. And, uh, yeah, you know, just that sense of, like, oh, this feels feels good again. This feels very normal. Um, And to be able to, like, touch people, like, to shake hands, to hug people, like, all of those things that we had taken for granted – before it's again it, um a lot of gratitude to be like we made it through hopefully knocking on wood and uh yeah and nice to see nice to be in la um really nice to see the cast again and uh and it, it's almost like a sigh of relief kind of like ah you know <laughs> and, and that feels good so mm-hmm. uh yeah it's coming out two I days I love it. So, okay, Umbrella Academy uh, season three, Ken Hall mm-hmm. plays Herb on the show. And so, I mean, when it comes to the cast, I mean, nice to get everybody back together again. Lots of changes inside the cast. I mean, is there any mm-hmm. other cast members that you've really connected with? I mean, I mean, sometimes you make awesome friends at work and sometimes yeah. you make good friends. Uh, is there been anything special happen there with the group? Because now three seasons later, you guys have had a lot of time together to get to know each other. Yeah, absolutely. And and in particular with this season, as we saw at the end of season two, there's the addition of because there's timelines and, and such like different like portals and, and such 
uh, where there's an introduction of like a mirror academy. So not just the Umbrella Academy, now there's the Sparrow Academy, which almost like a bit of a kind of like double gangerish kind of thing, like mm-hmm. a mirrored uh, mirrored universe and such. So for me, it was so cool uh, to to have more people join the universe. Um, and some local people too. I think like Jake, uh, Jake Epstein, who plays Alfonso, uh, such a funny guy. Uh, so, uh, you know, Cassie David and, and such, it was a really, really lovely addition. And, uh, yeah, I think we were just really clicked and it's all, it's a huge cast. It's a massive yeah. ensemble cast, but, um, and I gotta say too, like <laughs> when I was at the premiere, uh, on Friday, uh, it was like very red carpety, you know, kind of experience. I haven't done a ton of red carpets in my life, and I gotta say, they all every time they feel so good. It's just like sugar. It's a sugar rush, you know. Uh, and uh, everyone greeted me uh, with like open arms and just was like really happy to see me too because I'm Toronto based, not LA based, and such. And I hadn't seen a lot of people in one time. Right. Um, so I think there's a really good vibe and and uh, really good chemistry on set. I love it. All right, what can you tell us about uh, season three without wrecking it? Give me the secrets. You're the boss now. So this is make now Herb is the head of the commission as of end, end of season acting two. Head. Right. Well, acting, acting head, head of the commission. So that means that okay, let's go to script analysis class. That means that one of two things is gonna happen. You're gonna be the target. Break now. it down. Break it down, Shane. You got it. Yeah. And then uh, so you're obviously gonna be tempted by evil because you're the leader now. And uh, someone is going to be trying to come take your seat away. And uh, these are all the things that are going to happen. So did I just ruin season three? What's happening? Well, I, no, I just love your assumption that people get power. They're going to be tempted by evil. Like, that's just like the logical We talk about politics like, here on the show evil, a lot, Ken. Just right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we just had an election here in Ontario yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> recently. Eh, we may not talk about it. <laughs> well, I, I, again, I, I, I can honestly say without any giving any spoilers uh <laughs> um i really think that this is gonna uh shake things up it's uh we got to see the first two episodes on friday they screened it as part of the premiere and i i, <laughs> I just gotta say i think people are really gonna dig it it's in the same vein as uh the first two seasons but i feel like now it's it's such a well-oiled machine um you know the characters so much more and the storyline is just is blown out it is just so big Every year, like the stakes are massive. It's always the world is ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like no pressure. I can't think of any. Yeah, no pressure. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So uh, we got to try and sell that in uh, ten episodes. Um, <clears throat> uh, so yeah, it is. Uh, again, it's 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 a really cool universe to play in, um, and uh, the reveal. Uh, the Sparrow Academy, I think, adds another, uh, just another twist and turn uh, into the into the world. So uh, I can't really <laughs> give you any spoilers. Well, of, I know. Uh, I'm her, just hoping. But I appreciate the effort. No, the effort. no crazy <laughs> talking goldfish that are going to come take you down. <clears throat> well, as we see, I don't know if you've seen the trailer um, for this season. It's such a lovely thing that they teased it right at the very end of the trailer is uh, the Flash uh, 5 walking into this real like kind of like seedy looking place and he's like, hey, I'm looking for you. And we see a figure turn around and it's Pogo. And Pogo is a talking chimpanzee. 
Yeah, we're <laughs> really like selling it at this point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he's wearing like this biker jacket, smoking a cigarette, and he's tattooing uh, someone in the chair. So that, uh, that, is, <laughs> that is a new reveal that Pogo uh, in this timeline is a bit of a badass Ooh. and uh so if you haven't seen the trailer you gotta check it out because it is uh it's something else it's a preview of things to come uh pogo was sort of uh i'm gonna call him a butler sort of mentor yeah. guy he was kind of like the yeah, yoda definitely. yoda of of the original <laughs> timeline of which this. let's face it i mean that's got to be the highest compliment that i would you say can give any anyone <laughs> that's true i would say okay so this is really cool um you know the the show is ready to go obviously you can't tell us any of the insider secrets what's going on but you can catch mm-hmm. it on netflix it's pretty exciting um so what what's next now do you i mean i guess you can't say hey by the way i just inked a deal for season four i mean but what is <laughs> what does ken hall get up to because i know that you were going to do some improv camp stuff and and more. yeah that's right yeah, well, uh, I would just love it if I started writing my own episodes. Um, <laughs> the labor of love. Um, uh, the big thing I got coming up, actually, and starting on Tuesdays, uh, I'm going to be doing Shakespeare in High Park in Toronto. Oh, so as part of a Canadian stage, uh, we're doing the play as you like it, uh, which is going to start at the end of July. So we got four weeks of rehearsals, six days a week, ten to six every day, only Mondays off. And uh, we've got about, yeah, as I said, about six weeks of shows, uh, which is very exciting because I've never done Shakespeare ever. (laughs) And I'm a comedy person. I'm an improv guy. So for them to actually give me not just a script, but actually the hardest script, (laughs) like a lot of like really fancy big words (laughs) and uh, very old Englishy sounding. So it's it's a real challenge. Um, And I'm really excited by it. And and also in the fall, I'm going to be doing more theater, which is so interesting. I've never done theater, uh, like professional theater, part for some stuff at, through Second City here in Toronto. Um, I'm also going to be doing a, a rendition, a two-hander of Snow White <laughs> in, uh, in the fall for Young People's Theater. And uh, so that's going to be really exciting. So it's a year, Shane, of doing some theater. Wow. Uh, and I love that the first one is going to be the hardest. <laughs> I was like, it's not even like easing into it. It's no. just like... Die right in. Yep. Let's do Shakespeare. <laughs> wow. That's incredible. I mean, when I did, when I went to theater school, I was not an actor, so I didn't mm-hmm. have to remember the lines. I got to do the other things, um, which was great. So that, that mm-hmm. I found that difficult. And I remember, God, those rehearsals, man, when people would lose their way. Now I'm just trying to scare you. They would lose their way. Oh, yeah. No, to- that's not getting me in my head at all. <laughs> <laughs> and they would have to call for lines. Right. Yeah, on Tuesday, I'm just going to remember this conversation of like, what would Shane do in this situation? Ah, oh, right. He would He would leave lines. theater and go into radio <laughs> is what he would do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, a that's... great, good career path. I yeah, like well, that. you know, I don't know if it was a good choice, but here we are um, getting ready to do it. Well, this is really cool stuff. I mean, you, you've accomplished so much, Ken. We met so long ago now in this process. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. really excited to see where this goes for you. Uh, the um, you know the end of season two, seeing you, well, seeing Herb um, on that field with the yeah. mayhem that that unfolded. I'm trying to be a little <laughs> bit vague for those who haven't seen it. Um, and you're right; it is sort of save the world in ten episodes, and it's yeah. quite remarkable. The, I think the coolest thing I th- for me coming out of season two. Uh-huh. I'm not a superhero kind of guy, right? Like for me, superhero shows are not my thing. So this one, 
was the characters were very, very interesting. And they managed to, at the end of season two, really mm-hmm. expand those character sketches uh, and g- mm-hmm. let us get to know some yeah. of those characters better. Number five and stuff was a great example of that and really expand that. So that's the part I'm most excited about, including Herb, right? Like we really got yeah. to, Herb was sort of this sheepish desk guy originally, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then to see the confidence of Herb walking in that field, um, looking at mm. the stuff, basically going, whew, <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but to have the confidence to take that on, uh, to see Herb grow like that was really cool. And I'm excited to see the character development of some of these people, because yeah. uh, I think the storylines behind them are, are very, very good. And, and you know, uh, the elephant in the room, of course, is uh, with the, the changes that have been written in with um, Elliot's character. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. to be able to see that happen as well and unfold. So it is really an exciting time because that storyline's been in the news, of course. And and um, to be able to see all of that character development mm-hmm. unfold, I'm most excited mm-hmm. about. So I just wanted to acknowledge that for you. Not that my opinion matters, but I appreciate it. <laughs> well, no, I appreciate it. Uh, your opinion does matter. And, um, <clears throat> and just for all those things that you said, I mean, that was something that uh, going into season two where they started to do a, a deeper dive when we – had one season under a belt. We get a, we introduce the characters, we get to know them a bit better. And in season two, we go a lot deeper on them as well. And even though season two, most of it was uh, taking place in the '60s, it was really very interesting that a lot of what was talked about in the show was very current. That was happening mm-hmm. in our current uh, timeline, which is very interesting for me. And and again, I think that's a real testament to the show is the 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 writing. Um, that goes into in the thought and, and, and really exploring uh, depths of character. So I, again, that's what I'm saying, like going into season three, you know, you, these characters are so much more fleshed out and more well-defined. Uh, and I also love that you can introduce new characters uh, to the mix that just like enriches it that much more. Um, and as you're saying with Elliot, I, I, think, I think fans will really dig uh, that storyline uh, as well, which again is very... For me, I feel very contemporary and very important. Uh, it's it's a story we're telling for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it also goes to show that we haven't come very far in some ways, and we've come a million miles in other yeah. ways when you flash back to the 60s and some of those other scenes, right? Like not much has changed, yeah. but at the same time, a whole lot has changed. It's, tr- it's true. Yeah. And and I, I for me, I'm like that. I, I like evolution. I like change. Uh, when, <clears throat> when I was younger, uh, like teens and 20s and such, I was very like like resistant to change. I'd always say no to stuff. I was very fearful of anything that would sort of upset the uh, what I knew. And there's uh, even though I was unhappy, <laughs> it was like I was everything was familiar That's right. in my unhappiness. Uh, it was till it was once I found improv and started taking improv classes and early on when I was learning more of the idea of being open to offers and suggestions and yes anding people where I was yes anding in my scenes and that started to spill out into my life and I realized I was like oh I've been doing life all wrong mm-hmm. and I, I got to be open to you know to to change and to evolve because I, I don't want to remain the same like nothing yeah. I get that I, the same. I feel like I really get that I mean you you nail it when you say that you know, we, we want to be able to anticipate the problems, right? We would, as opposed to strive to, you know, find happiness and all those things, we, we, we often yeah. would rather be secure in knowing that what the problems are going to be and where they're coming from. And, and I, I absolutely get that. And, 
And I think that you're right. Um, when you start to express yourself a little differently and you start to go, oh, there I am. Oh, there I am. Right. And find yeah. it. Um, and that that's quite remarkable. So I, I love what you said there because, you know, it's it's it it's never going to end this journey until it ends. So you might as well mm-hmm. you might as well give her and uh, and go. Yeah. And improv must have been terrifying at first then. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was like a, it was just a big blur. A very uh, it was a combination of so many feelings because for so much of my life I had <clears throat> I was so socially anxious and withdrawn and and low self-esteem and never feeling that I fit in anywhere. And uh, that was a big message and a big label that I carried with me for a good chunk of my life. And there's still there's still times when I, I feel that like well up within me. I'm like, well, where's that coming from? And and uh, again, I'm not alone on this. I know that so many people are trapped in the, that very fearful mindset. And uh, and again, going back to to the show and and how pivotal it is, I think for people to see the world reflected back. And and this is like very sort of like you know superhero esque sci fi ish. You know, uh, it's a lot of it's a lot of many things. Um, but I think that people can see themselves represented on film and TV. Uh, I think that's so important. It's it's not just entertainment; it's also education, and for for people to get inspired by a character, even though you've never met them, even they they could be a fictional character uh, that still has impact and meaning for a lot of people. And and as we we're saying earlier, like you know, over this past two plus years of of COVID and such, where people have had an opportunity to maybe do some introspection and reflection and to make some course, you know, course corrections along the way to learn more about themselves. I just feel like that's such an important, uh, it's an important journey. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, to accept themselves and, and for the world to, to evolve with that and to maybe let go of some of the fear that I think just kind of holds people back in so many ways and makes people feel crappy about themselves you yeah. know well, I, so, I was thinking, uh, during the pandemic yeah. i i had said that i'm like well why are we so desperate to go back to the life we didn't like and we complained about anyway um <laughs> you know because yeah, yeah. we knew it it was familiar yeah and, you it's know, familiar like, I love comfortable. it. Yeah. Well, look at you. You've gone from, um, you know, the guy who wanted to get into acting and all those things to some mm-hmm. comedy, some improv. You went to your first Hollywood red carpet premiere night. You know, you're on one of the most anticipated shows of the summer <laughs> and all of that. And then you're going to step into theater, man. So if I, if I can see anybody who's taking it full on and tackling it, running with the football, if you will, um, that's, that's you, Ken. Well done. Love it. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, if I don't memorize my Shakespeare lines, yeah. I'm going to resort back to my improv. That's right. That's <laughs> so, right. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, I want to see that video is what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just say some fancy words. Just That's say right. the word Shakespeare in different ways. Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, that's what you got to work on. you got to work on your thousand shouts and you'll be fine. Oh my God! There's so many. There's so many tongue twisteries, uh, but I appreciate it, uh, and I'm looking forward to it. I mean, that's it. Uh, again, it's like go to the, you know, go into the unknown. Try things that that scare you. You know, try things that challenge you, because I can guarantee you, by the end of it, you're gonna feel so much better that you've made that effort. And and for me, uh, I say this to a lot of my students uh, back in Toronto that effort equates uh, success. And for me, I'm like, you gotta just. You try. It's there is no failing. I was actually. It's interesting. I was walking 
um, <clears throat> through Highland Park last night, which is a, a community uh, in L.A., and just on the wall, there was a, written a quote, and it was from Nelson Mandela, where he says that he doesn't lose. He either wins or learns. And I was like, oh, that's so great. Uh-huh. So I took a photo of it. And I'm like, but it's, it totally makes sense, right? Like we often take stock of things and like, oh, no, I, I lost. I'm never going to try it again. But it's, it's more of like shifting from that fixed mindset into more of like a learner's mindset. Yeah. And I think if you can bring that with some, some empathy and comedy, laugh at ourselves, that's medicine. That's good for all of us. Great insight. Ken Hall, thank you so much for being with us here on The Shift. Appreciate you, man. Thanks, Shane. That was a pleasure. This is The Shift Podcast. And handy Andy Barrar, let's get started. The Jumo, the Nacho, Nacho, I am a disco dancer. He's a disco dancer. Yeah, he's a he's a glow stick wielder, skip jump roper, and the laziest gardener you ever met in your life. Handy Eddie, how are you? I might be the smartest gardener one day, Shane. We don't know that yet. Okay, <laughs> I'm just a futuristic gardener. I I just I envision what the future looks like, and and I'm making it happen because it's not here yet, and that's what a DIY guy does, you know? Genius. Big brain. Big brain. <laughs> big, big, using big brain. <laughs> um, so Handy uh, Handy Andy has already posted at shifteds.ca a, a video for you to follow along and take a tour of his community garden, a little look-see of what's been going on out there. We got a text message from Steve. He says, Handy Andy should have been growing bok choy this very cool wet spring. He would have been able to supply the entire neighborhood. How's the garden going? The garden's going pretty good. You know, I, I highly recommend people check out this video, shiftheads.ca, or you can go to my website. I also posted it there, handyandymedia.com. Here's basically what happened for the people that don't know about this community garden. There's like a little boulevard on the side of my house, um, street boulevard that the city owns. And they put on one of those fiber optic boxes there. And there's also like a manhole there. And then there's supposed to be grass. But when they were doing all this work, they didn't really put enough grass seeds there. And it just it was just a mess. And I was like, you know, what am I going to do with this? It's not really like my property. And, and then one day I was walking by, I was going to the gym and I had this epiphany. I'm like, I will make a community vegetable garden so people can walk by and just grab some vegetables and take it with them on their daily walks. And so... I used material that I could just find around like uh, shipping pallets and these old bricks from a discarded house. And and I just went to work. You know what it was kind of reminded me of, Shane? Do you remember like MacGyver and like the mm. A-team? Mm. And you know like that last five minutes when they're in trouble and they just look around and whatever they got, and they save the day. That was I was I was having my MacGyver moment where I'm just like walking around, finding material and building this community vegetable garden. So then I got soil and everything. I put vegetables. I, I grew them indoors, transplanted them outside, and it's been a hit. Um, but one issue I had, especially in the square foot box gardens that you could see if you watch the video, is a lot of weeds were growing in there. And I, I just could not get rid of them. It was like a weed infestation. So I had another epiphany this year. I'm like, I'm going to use black landscaping fabric, put it in there, staple it on, 
and then cut out little holes where I would then transplant the vegetables. This landscaping fabric is porous, so when it rains, it will, the rain will go through it. So I set this all up. It's a little square foot raised vegetable garden. And you know what? No weeds. And it looks beautiful. I highly recommend people check this video out. You got this beautiful lettuce growing. No weeds. And uh, all the neighbors now, they're, they're pretty impressed. They, they like nice. my, um, you know, the, the fact that I never give up. You know, it, this is just kind of like my, my nature where I try something. It doesn't work out. I refine it, learn from it. And then version two, it, it starts to get better. I don't want to burst everybody's bubble, but when Andy says his neighbors are really proud of him, just so you know, his neighbor is his mom. <laughs> well, no, there's other people. All the old people, like when they walk, they're just like amazed at how much stuff I'm growing. And that's cool. And um, All right, speaking yeah. of growing weeds, are we going to talk about the weeds in the backyard? Have you done the big? Um, have you done the big exchange for the blueberries yet? No, not yet. I actually don't like. Yeah, so we usually do a little trade with my blueberry farmer friend, uh, but I don't really have much to trade with him right now. Uh, things haven't been going good, so. Um, oh no! Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what else I can barter with to get these blueberry bushes because I'm ready to go. I actually, maybe next week I will post a video. I, I'm really into this landscaping fabric now. I even put that in my, in my bed for the blueberries because I don't. I was worried about. The blueberries are going to attract lots of weeds as well underneath it. So um, this is, I'm like this weird kind of gardener. I don't like weeds and I don't like watering, but I love the actual food that gardens make. So mm -hmm. this is a really twist, different type of design, but it's yep. a nice, clean, organized design and it's, it's yep. starting to come together. I get that. I mean, I, I like hanging out with my kids. I just don't like parenting them or paying for their stuff. So it's very similar. Ah, yeah, very similar. Same. I think people it's get that. Fair, almost um, identical shape. <laughs> that 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 fabric is quite magical stuff. I I one thing they do in my community is they put a lot of wood chips down in the medians and stuff like that with the yeah. trees, but they don't put fabric down. And in front of my house, there's an easement with a bunch of wood chips. And every year they come with students, it's just filled with prickles. These prickles are as big as a tree, I swear. Like they're they're so thick, and they come through and they pull them out once a year. But when they build the gardens, they don't put any lawn fabric down, so it gets nasty and ugly and yeah. terrible. And it looks great for about a week and a half. So I wish they would do more of that because this stuff is is really is quite dynamite. Okay, now you are you entering into the irrigation automation market here to get your share of the two billion dollars, or what's your plan? Well, Shane, you know it's been a while since I asked for some advice, but I actually need some advice from you because I've been right. setting up this irrigation system. I'm really right down to the end where at the spigot you want to put these little digital timers. And there's a company called Melnor, and they make this four-zone digital timer, and they got this new one that works with Bluetooth. So you download an app. You can set the timing schedule for each of those zones, those four zones, on your phone, and then you can set it all up you know, that way without even having to touch it or manually press buttons. So this company, I, I've used their products in the past, so I slid into their DM. You know, I post a little gardening video, and I, and I, and I tagged them. I'm like, you know, you know, holler at me. And, and they did. They got back to me. And so then we started talking to the DM. I'm like, give me your email. So now I have a meeting on Thursday with the marketing manager. And I know they're going to give me a unit to test out, but I want to sell her this dream that I have of making a YouTube series of how to grow your own food without watering anything with this system. They have the system. I have the motivation and the know-how. So I'm like wondering, here's my question to you. Do I like slowly try to build the rapport with this company or do I just try to sell the dream right away and, 
and try to give them oh, that's give me good. a big budget to make this thing happen. Yeah. Well, uh, most corporate people don't have time, and the only time you have to pitch an idea to uh, get their attention is uh, the elevator pitch. When you have the, you know the the four floors of elevator trip that takes you know twenty six seconds, yeah. that's pretty much it. Now, at the same time, though, here's the catch. Everybody's trying to sell them something. Everybody who reaches out tries to sell them something. So if yes. they're in the corporate world, they're getting your email, they're going to say, well, what is the deal with this guy? What does he want? Yes. And so you might as well try to sell it to them. Now, you don't have to be, you know, use car salesman uh, cliche to just try to shamelessly sell them. You have to solve a problem that they have. So offer them a solution to a problem that you believe they have. And then hopefully they will go, oh, this is a great idea. Hey, I noticed you have all these great products and there's not a lot of social, like getting it right into people's lives. I would like to do, I have this dream to do this entire series based on watering. Um, and I want to take your product right into people's lives. I want to show them specifically how they can use it and how it's successful. Now we're talking. That's this it. Now I your pitch is done. Hear. Ding. Yes. You're at the fourth floor. Yes, so now I, the, uh, the pitch is over. So basically what I'm going to pitch them is to make a whole series about how to grow your own food right to the point that at the end of it, you collect seeds, store those seeds so that next year you can do it all over again. And all you need is this automated watering system. You can create your own little garden beds, which I already have. So like I look at all these garden beds that I have, they're like little studios where I can create an entire series from seed to harvest and then back again. And so mm -hmm. uh, hopefully it happens on Thursday. You know, this I have good. this big meeting. I love this. I'm gonna drink yeah, so lots what of you do before I before I have that uh, that call, yeah, so I can sell it or, or not, maybe or maybe not. Smoke no, some I'm gonna be weeds. so hyper, anyways. You know me. Well, keep in mind what you do is that you you go in and you provide them, you create a vision for them of how it could work, and create that vision very quickly, and provide them and with your enthusiasm, which will come through naturally, and then you go and you actually just create the enthusiasm for them and that vision. This is what it looks like, and if they are, if you strike a chord, that person will already know that their marketing is crap. And yeah. they don't know how to hire an influencer and they've got to go to this third party and, and you know, they don't have people like you that, that were willing to do that and assemble these things and try and do it from the perspective of this is just a dude uh, doing it. So this is exciting. Good luck. I'm, uh, I'm excited for you. Your, in, your invoice is in the mail for the consultation. Um, <laughs> yeah. I do have a challenge for you though in this whole watering thing. Remember when we talked about, um, using Raspberry Pi for your TVs and yes. for all the things that I use Raspberry Pi with my business? I built a business on the Raspberry Pi. Um, there are Raspberry Pi, uh, sensors that you can actually do for watering, for measuring yeah. soil, and you can build them out on the little Linux Pies and have a network of Raspberry Pis that do all your watering automatically. Yeah, that's my plan B. If this, like, if you can't find something the off the shelf kind of solution, then I was really going to have to get my geek on and build it from the ground up using a Raspberry Pi computer. Um, but I don't literally... want to have to go that far because I want something that I can show that other people can buy it off the shelf and make it happen as well. But the Raspberry Pi is super geeky, so I wouldn't be able to convince people to build one themselves. Might be a little well, hard. you never know. You could. I mean, it's just, I mean, even on this one site here on raspberrypi.com, they've got the moisture test programming. They've got the yeah. valve programming and the watering programming to open up the valves and do the moisture tests. So they've got it all. You just set the, you set the number, done, off it goes. Yeah, see, it, that's it. You want it to work with the weather pattern. So if it starts to rain, you don't need it to turn on. You know, like this is the dream I've had for years, and I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make it happen one way or another, Shane. It's happening, and uh, I'll have all this food. I'm gonna freeze it. I'll have a little freezer in wintertime. I'm gonna pull out the spinach, make a smoothie. 
and be like that came from my garden <laughs> that's my goal in life right now can you tell All i'm right. getting into middle age but this I is am. the goals you're... i have in my life i get off my lawn and i live in a log cabin right that's where you're getting to very quickly it's very good soon. i love it yeah. <laughs> old man andy handyandymedia.com that's andy's website skipper extraordinaire diy guy weed weeds grower weed grower and uh not only all of that uh tech nerd which is very true uh andy has an airbnb that's like all nerded out it's like the high tech easy access everything on your phone kind of airbnb cool stuff right so he does love to talk about the gadgets and the things. Now, Ryan is going to be very excited, Andy. He talks a lot about getting a scooter. I don't think he's going to do it. I think he's going to get a car. But maybe this might help my directionally challenged friend find his way around downtown Calgary. Well, this is actually why I wanted to talk about this, because it's a service from a company. I think a lot of people are familiar with e-scooters now and also e-bikes. But there are commercial companies that are now trying to deploy these into cities and one of them happens to be in Calgary. So a company called Neuron, they actually have um, started to roll out their, their e-scooters and their e-bikes across Canada. And so far, they're in some Canadian cities. So they're in Vernon, Calgary, Lethbridge, Red Deer, and Ottawa currently. And I'm sure they're going to expand to other major cities. But essentially, they've actually integrated their service with Google Maps. So say you're in Calgary somewhere and you go on Google Maps. You could actually see where one of these e-scooters is located, how far it is away from you. Then you could see if you want to go, say, from point A to point B, you can actually check in the app how much it will cost for you to use that scooter to ride from that point to point A, B. So, And it'll even tell you how much battery and the distance and everything inside uh, your app. So I think this is a, a might be a really good option for a lot of people who want to get around but want to use e-scooters but not necessarily own one but they'll be deployed across the city so you can just find the nearest one use it park it and it's kind of like a ride sharing kind of thing like that where you're sharing a car except you're sharing e-scooters i see uh, more and more people with their own on this maybe we should grab brian o'donnell and bring him in the conversation since he is the expert of the scootering um rye would you are you still considering getting one as uh, it's too expensive. It's like a car. It's just I'd rather I don't use it actually all that often because I'm trying to walk more and be more active. It's more about that rapid convenience. So today, for example, I wanted to go down to the optometrist and uh, get my glasses sorted out. And I was like, oh, it's just faster. I'll just take an e-scooter today. And then I walked back. So I didn't have to worry about taking the scooter home with me. So uh, the need of owning one, I think, is actually going down. But uh, this is great. Like. Uh, you know, uh, seeing where you are and, and which scooters to take, the battery and all that is good. Although neuron scooters have no suspension and riding them for more than five minutes, it results in a spinal injury in my case. So if so they Ryan, can sort that out, then I'm I'm in. I have a question though, because you, to ride an e-scooter, you do need a helmet. So they come with helmets, correct? They do. Yeah, they do. You don't need great. to actually wear it though. They just need they to provide need to. it. Well, yeah, no, nobody's going to, Nobody wears you know, it because it's it. gross, right? Like, it's, well, that's yeah. that's what I was wondering. Is it like safe to wear a helmet that you know people are sharing? Because well, I, I, I would imagine some grody about that. Yeah, I'd bring a wet, you know, like a wet ones wipe, you know, just in case. But uh, I know plenty of people who have been very injured on e-scooters because they were drunk and going fast. So uh, you got to be safe on them. But if you drive them smart and use them smart, they're great. 
Love them. And how much how much does that typically cost for like a little ride, say if you mm. take one and on average for my trips, four bucks maybe. Oh, okay. Places, okay. Four to five bucks. Sometimes though it can add up more than you think because you're having so much yeah. fun and then you stop if you're and you're touring, like, oh, I just spent twenty dollars. <laughs> like as a tourist, um then you you need to if you're touring around you go spend forty five minutes on one, it can add up real quick. Like without a doubt, if you just A to B get off it and go, yes. But if you're touring around, then that could be problematic. Yeah, I, I saw them when I was in LA in 2019 for the uh, World Whistling Championship. I saw them all over the place, and they, <laughs> yeah, I can't, I still can't believe I did that. You know, I, I'm, That's I'm gonna, funny. I'm gonna come make a comeback one of these days. But when I was there, they, they had these scooters everywhere. But uh, it, it almost seems like how can they tell? Like, I guess I'm trying to figure out the technology. Like it. Are there designated places that you have to drop it off, or can you leave them anywhere? Uh, well, you can. You can't. It's not anywhere. You have to take a picture of where you put it, so you can't just leave it on the middle of the sidewalk. But usually, most yeah. people will find a little gap between buildings, or in Calgary, at least, there are lots of actual parking zones because e-scooters are doing incredibly well in Calgary. So there's lots of areas here, but in cities that don't have the infrastructure. Uh, the app won't actually let you lock the scooter if it's on a sidewalk. It can tell by GPS if it's on a sidewalk, which is cool. That's fascinating because, right. like in Surrey, we don't we don't have this option yet. So I'm hoping uh, it will roll out because it's a good option. Just you know, just to have just in in your if you're in a pinch and you need it, it'd be nice to mm-hmm. to be able to have that option. Yeah, well, and it makes it. They're cool. They're fun, no, without a doubt. Um, but the, the question is, is are they going to help your life or hurt your life, right? And um, I mean, I've ridden them around different cities. They're super fun. You know, you, you got to leave them out of the way. You can't leave them in the middle of the road, like Ryan said. And aside from that, though, I mean, it's pretty great. When my son and I were in Washington D.C., we literally toured around all over D.C. on them. It added up. It was like a fifty-dollar day, um, without a doubt, and with two of them. And some of the apps now let you uh, rent more than one bike, but you'd have to have more than one login, more than one app to be able to rent more than one uh, bike or scooter. So that's tough. And we were literally went all the way up Pennsylvania Avenue from the Capitol building all the way back to the White House. It was a really cool way to see it. So that part I recommend, really cool stuff. All right, thanks so much for being here. Handy Andy Barrar, handyandymedia.com. And uh, good luck with your meeting. Let us know next week how it all goes. Exciting. I, I will. Thanks, Shane. This is the Shift Podcast. Well, thanks to my buddy Jody Hughes, uh, who does weather at Global in Calgary, who just texted me and said, wait a second, are you just going to move on and not talk about that world whistling championship thing that Andy just said? Uh, Yeah, actually, here's the thing. I've just texted Andy to ask him for a video. So we'll post that at um, um, shiftheads.ca if he has one uh, so we can post that. Andy did get into a whistling competition and he's amazing as a whistler. So, yes, not going to uh, go over that because, as Jody said, I have so many questions. Got a couple other text messages asking for it, too. So very cool stuff. 877-399-9898. That is our phone number here on The Shift. You might need it for Are You Okay With? Are you, are you, are you okay? Okay. Okay. Are you okay with... It's a little piece that we like to do here. We got some crazy stories, and we're going to need your input. In fact, I want to know if you have any crazy stories for Are You Okay With? 
spreading ashes. I would say ashes in general, Ryan. Ryan O'Donnell's in downtown Calgary. I'm in Calgary as well. I'm Shane Hewitt. Are you okay with spreading people's ashes? Yeah, I've only done it once. My grandpa, we spread the rest of my family members who have passed. They're still in their urns. Um, but my grandpa had two favorite places in the world. The first was in Ireland where he never got to go, but he, you know, he always wanted to go there. So we have some of his ashes saved for when we eventually do go so we can spread them there. And the other is Rainbow Creek, I believe it's called. It's in Kananaskis in the Rocky Mountains here in Alberta. It's a beautiful, simple hike. He used to go up there to clear his head. And, uh, yeah, we spread, uh, we spread some of his ashes there. Is that two years ago now? Two years? And uh, it was very, yeah, very therapeutic, very nice, uh, beautiful experience. I mean, obviously bittersweet, but yeah, I think it's a pretty cool thing to do for uh, the ones you love who have left. Do you have to tell customs when you're smuggling in a dead body like that? The, I've looked into this before. There's like, there's some weird rules about it. Um but I don't really know. And if they said no, I would find a way to get grandpa in my, you know, across the Atlantic one way or another. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those things like when they say, are you bringing back any sand or seashells when you come back from vacation? And meanwhile, you're like, no, but your kids have like an entire bag full of seashells they collected. You know, one of those little lies you tell customs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Something All right. Like that. Um, I, I find it um, the urn quite cool i i think the urn is neat i i still have the urn of one of my previous dogs i kept hers um the other urn he ended up uh cedric he ended up in a dumpster unfortunately uh, but yeah but i mean it uh i still have hers so i guess that's weird i keep my dog's ashes around so hmm. anyway spreading loved ones spreading a loved one's ashes is important you know, you have to find the right time, the right place. You got to make sure the right people are around, say the right things. And some people find some surprising places to spread the ashes. Here's one example from Inside Edition from 2017. The Jackson family out of Boca Raton, Florida, says mom Bonnie's favorite place ever was Disney World. After she passed away suddenly from pulmonary hypertension at age 56, the grieving family sprang into action. I'm pretty sure that it was my crazy sister that um, said, well, I think we just go to Disney. That's daughter Dale with her dad Ken holding some of her mother's remains in a pill bottle at Disney World. We went right to Small World because that's what we've always done. That was my mom's favorite ride. She sprinkled some of her mom's ashes on the popular ride. Daughter Jody headed to the iconic Cinderella's castle with more of her mom's ashes. She had told us she wanted them on the front lawn of the Disney castle. However, when we got to Disney, there is no front lawn of the castle. <laughs> so we had to kind of improvise and there was like a side yard to the castle. And we're like, well, mom, I hope I hope this is good enough. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, time and place. I don't know. Uh, that's a weird one. Sorry, I couldn't hear you there. Um, I got you now. Uh, what would you say? I was just going to say, of all the rides, yeah. the Small World, it's the worst ride. It's the creepiest. <laughs> like, you know, like every time I go in, I when that. I went on that ride, I thought that the lights were going to turn off and the dolls were going to kill me. 
Wow. Like, no. Yeah, but if you're like going on a roller coaster and grandpa loved roller coasters, I mean, you have to ask for the seats in the back at least. Otherwise yeah, you're you blowing want, dust. Yeah, it's going to be bone chunks and it. dust in everybody's face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> That's not good. A Colorado no. Avalanche fan found a pretty incredible place to spread his best friend's ashes, who is also a huge Avs fan. According to the Denver Post, Ryan and Kyle were best buds who lived and breathed avalanche hockey. Ryan Stark died suddenly last year. Operation Kyle came about during the reception after Stark, just 31 years of age, was laid to rest. Uh, a funeral that featured mourners in avalanche sweaters and Kyle's mom, Stacy handing out hockey pucks. Hockey lovers. Kyle's stepfather, Jason Marson, had tickets to the Avs Maple Leafs on January 8th, and the pair finished a pregame dinner at the Breckenridge Brewery in Mountain House 10 minutes before the first period. Then Ryan turned to Marson. The time was now. Ryan knew that he had to spread his best friend's ashes on home ice. Now, we have to commend the Denver Post for amazing reporting on this story. According to the Denver Post, Clark snuck a small Ziploc baggie into Ball Arena with some of Kyle's remains bouncing along inside. <laughs> he managed to uh, shake said remains over the glass in the corner nearest the Leafs bench. As Clark turned um, to head back up the steps, the usher stopped him. The man said, what was that? He asked. I got to be honest with you, Clark replied. It was my buddy. The Clark just stared. What do you mean? My buddy just died. We had his funeral yesterday, and I wanted to spread his ashes. <laughs> Can't believe he admitted it. He paused. I love it. Dude, I can totally respect that, he said, then pointed to the concourse. But they want to talk to you up there. An Avs staffer and a police officer glared from above. Am I getting booted out? You're getting booted out. As long as I don't go to jail, it's cool by me. The Avs representative asked for his name and address, and then he explained what he had put on the ice. He swears that the cop standing beside her gave a look and a nod that said he would have done the same thing for one of his pals, too. You've got to go, the rep said. The cop told him if he left quietly, no charges would be filed. Clark obliged. A short while later, he got a letter from the team indicating that he would be banned from purchasing tickets for the remainder of the series season. No regrets. None. The Avs won that night, and they may be on their way to winning the cup, although they did not win last night. The hockey gods seem pretty happy with Kyle's actions. Ashes in the corner of the hockey rink. Yeah, that's... Well, I can't believe this is the first time anybody's really hearing about this. The Denver Post just put this out, uh, and mm-hmm. I had never seen it. And yeah, I think I, I think it's kind of amazing, actually. I don't know what that would look like, um, or how much, but well, it's it's, be- it's better amazing. than a loony at center ice. I can tell you that. Yes, absolutely. So. Cool story. Okay, so 877-399-9898. What is the weirdest place you've ever spread ashes? I want to know. <laughs> Hopefully you did it with permission of the person who they belong to. Just saying. Yeah. So 877-399-9898. Where have you spread somebody's ashes? Let's make it weird. Are you okay with being cheeky? Oh, cheeky. The bleeps. You're being cheeky. <laughs> yeah, you got to have a little attitude every now and then, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Love it. If, um, if a family in the States wanted to pay tribute to their dad by making sure his spirit was kept alive. <laughs> a lot of death here. I didn't even really okay? actually put two and two together on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, are you okay with... Um, Apparently, we're not okay with this in some ways. Yeah. Um, 
They wanted to pay tribute to their dad by making sure his spirit was kept alive. This is dark. They made a very special tombstone for him with a very cheeky engraving. Many have found their final resting place in the Warren Powers Cemetery in Polk County. Each tombstone reads something different. Some even with hidden messages like this one for Stephen Paul Owens. His reads. Forever in our hearts, until we meet again, cherish memories known as our son, brother, father, papa, uncle, friend, and cousin. If you look a little bit closer at the first letter of each phrase, you'll see the stone reads F off, a phrase Owens' family members share he often said jokingly. It was definitely a, his term of endearment. Um, if he didn't like you, he didn't speak to you. Um, it's just who he was. You easily riled up. Yeah. And, uh, it was always a kind of a I don't know, a goal of some sort to get him to tell you to, yeah. to do this. It's something his family did as a harmless way to remember him, and it's been called into question by the cemetery. Cemetery staff say they've been against the headstone from the beginning. They say the profanity has no place where loved ones are laid to rest for eternity. Now, the family is hoping they don't have to get rid of the gravestone, while some may find it offensive. The family says that wasn't their intention, and they hope others can find humor in it. It's forcing anyone to come out and look at it. Um, that's a choice that you make. Um, we didn't do it to offend anyone, to make mm -hmm. anyone mad, to hurt anyone's feelings. We did it because it was our father and we love him. And mm -hmm. um, that's the way we remember him. Wow. Uh, that's from TND News. Just to clarify, in case you missed that, the full inscription reads, Forever in our hearts, until we meet again, cherished memories, known as our son, brother, father, papa, uncle, friend, and cousin. The letters that spell out F off are positioned vertically one below the other to complete the phrase. So um, if you read forever in our hearts until we meet again, cherished memories known as our son, brother, father, papa, uncle. Get what I'm saying? See how this goes? Um, it basically spells that that way. Owen's obituary was published online. It notes that he died September 2nd, 2021 to go play Yahtzee in heaven with his mom. I don't see the big deal. I mean, I I mean that's it. his legacy. I think it's I great. It. That, like, why, why bury the guy with a lie and try to pretend it's something else? Like, yep. you know what? If he's the kind of guy and that was, he was like, you know, you know, F off. You know, that's like my dad. My dad's like, he's the take care guy. Take care. I'm pretty sure that my dads will say take care. You know, yeah. Jimbo. <laughs> Jimbo. I think it's <laughs> awesome. I, I think this is a really subtle way to, yeah, remember who they were outside of just an inscription of the day they were born and the day they died. That's pretty yeah. cool to me. And it's not like someone passing by just walking through the cemetery is going to notice that. And I don't, I, I don't think it's disrespectful yeah. to anybody else in the cemetery. I well, think say, say what it is. If you think that people are stopping to read the story you put on your headstone, nobody gives a damn anyway. They don't care about your loved one. You do, but nobody else does. It's not like everyone's going, Oh, look, he was a carpenter. Right? Like, they're not, oh, he was a papa. Like, no one cares. If someone's walking by, I see walk by and I see one that says, loving grandfather, you know, uh, loved Yahtzee, and by the way, F off. I'd be like, yeah, see, that's cool. I get that. It's real. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love it. It's cool. Awesome stuff. Thank you very much for listening to The Shift. Don't forget the podcast will be done when the show is done. Uh, Handy Andy says, yes, whistling video will be going up at shiftheads.ca to appease Ms. Jody Hughes and her curiosity about the whistling. Thank you for all the shiftheads that have said they've already seen Andy whistling on YouTube. Also wanted to acknowledge uh, my buddy Bobby, who's listening to the shift. Very cool stuff.
are you okay with? I'm trying to keep the death out of it now. Good. Weed. Are you okay with oh. the weed? The dank ganja? Uh, <laughs> You're what? The, the I'd love all the weird names for weed. I actually, I have to say that uh, me and my friend have been reconnecting lately, and uh, I had a night where nobody was free, so I was like, hey, let's play some video games. And we played a game which is basically like soccer, but with cars. And uh-huh. uh, weird. we both in partook, and uh, we couldn't even drive. We, we just flew. We just flew around the arena with rockets. It was the one of the – I haven't laughed that hard in, in years. And uh, that that's those little moments. That's what weed is great for. Not all the time, but little doses nice. like that. It's good. That's the good? That's the good stuff, is that's it? That's the good stuff. I would be like, what? It's oh, been so was, long. There was lots of that too. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I would say that the, my, I just acknowledge my buddy Bobby who's listening to the shift. That's probably the last time in my life I ever smoked weed was at Bobby's house. I'm pretty sure we just sat there for like two or three hours. And that would have been like 25 years ago, 24 years <laughs> yeah, ago. Well, that was a while ago. Yeah. That's probably the last time. Way to go, Bobby. You're a bad influence. All right, there's a town in Colorado that likes weed so much they're considering changing its name to Kush. (laughs) The town of Moffat is a tiny town of just over 100 people, and cannabis is a big deal there. As Area 420 started to grow in population and more and more of the seats on the town's city council started to be individuals from Area 420. Because the town of Moffat is such a small town that are primarily made up of people in cannabis. The regulations that are set in the town creates a friendly environment for cannabis cultivators. Uh, that's from a documentary on the town by LMC on the YouTubes. The name change proposal came from Mike Biggio, the owner and founder of Area 420, which licenses land for cannabis cultivation in Moffat. Licenses for cannabis cultivation in Moffat, according to Mayor uh, Cassandra Fox, uh, just to be really thorough in how we're explaining this by saying it twice, mm-hmm. have shot up from just two to over 70 in the past six years. The next step in transforming Moffat to Cush would be for a resident to start a petition, Fox says. Um, <laughs> they probably forgot about it, right? <laughs> so, uh-huh. it, it is really interesting, though, because it's a town of like 120 people. And I, I watched that documentary on it, and it, cannabis has become one of the, the biggest industry there. And, but there's people that live there that have nothing to do with weed, right? And so they, they're they just kind of sitting there while all of these cannabis uh, people are getting elected to office and are just going, weed, weed, weed. And can you imagine, like, you're living in a town, tiny tiny town in the mountains in Colorado all your life and all of a sudden a bunch of hipsters come in and want to start making some cannabis farms and they just go hey mm-hmm. you know what would be great if we named our town Kush I got an idea man <laughs> it's going to be a good idea man check this out you know what we should call our town Kush. are you okay with we should call our town Kush man yeah are you okay with campaign ads? Ugh. Oh, well, uh, they're awful, but I like making fun of them. Yeah. 
Oh, they're terrible. Uh, they're all terrible. Like, but they were. I mean, there's a reason why they do it. They research it. It is high science research. It's terrible. Here's a classic because we love and also hate bad campaign ads here on The Shift. I'm Joni Ernst. I grew up castrating hogs on an Iowa farm. So when I get to Washington, I'll know how to cut pork. Joni Ernst, mother, soldier, conservative. My parents taught us to live within our means. It's time to force Washington to do the same. To cut wasteful spending, repeal Obamacare, and balance the budget. I'm Joni Ernst, and I approve this message because Washington's full of big spenders. Let's make them squeal. Odd, if you think that was bad, (laughs) here's a very bad one. I'm Tim James. Why do our politicians make us give driver's license exams in 12 languages? This is Alabama. We speak English. If you want to live here, learn it. We're only giving that test in English, if I'm governor. Maybe it's the businessman in me, but we'll save money. And it makes sense. Does it to you? <laughs> I want to know if they got elected or not. That's so terrible. Of all the things in the world that you need to um, you need to worry about, that's the top priority. What was that? He did not. She did. Oh. She got elected. Oh my goodness. He did not. She, he's trying again, though. He's running again. Oh, yeah. all right. This is a doozy. We have a new entry into the shift bad campaign ad booklet. The campaign video calls on supporters to hunt members of GOP considered to be disloyal. These are people of the same party, by the way. This is not even the bad guys, according to these people. It's just the bad guys are in our own party. In the video that was posted to Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, a group of armed men dressed as Navy SEALs break down the door of a home with all smoke and stuff behind it in, like, SWAT gear, enter it with their guns drawn as dramatic music plays. All of that in a campaign ad. You heard that. Here it is. I'm Eric Drayton's Navy SEAL, and today we're going rhino hunting. The rhino feeds on corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Join the MAGA crew, get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Okay, well, those are all American commercials, just so you're clear. This is not Canadian politics. But regardless, uh, that's been taken down from most sites as violations to community guidelines and also being terrible. According to 7 News, uh, Eric Greitens has resigned as governor in 2018 amid allegations that he took nude picture of his former hairdresser who he was having an affair with and threatened to blackmail her with it. You know, good campaign ideas. His ex-wife recently accused him of domestic violence, saying in an affidavit that the alleged behavior extended to their children and she had to hide in her children's bedrooms, by the way. That's what her accusation is. He hasn't made any comments on that other than denying the allegations and is running for governor again. And he's leading in the polls. So, but that that's directed at people of his own party. My goodness. Thanks for listening to the shift podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple podcast, Google podcast, Spotify and curious cast.ca.